0: This morning's scripture reading comes from Psalm 36. I invite you to stand with me uh, for the reading of God's word, if you're able. At the conclusion of the reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and I invite you to respond back with the words, thanks be to God. Psalm 36, for the choir director of David, the Lord's servant. An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked person dread of God has no effect on him. For with his flattering opinion of himself, he does not discover and hate his iniquity. The words from his mouth are malicious and deceptive. He has stopped acting wisely and doing good. Even on his bed, he makes malicious plans. He sets himself on a path that is not good, and he does not reject evil." Lord, your faithful love reaches to heaven, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your judgments like the deepest sea. Lord, you preserve people and animals. How priceless your faithful love is, God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They are filled from the abundance of your house. You let them drink from your refreshing stream, for the wellspring of life is with you. By means of your light, we see light. Spread your faithful love over those who know you, and your righteousness over the upright in heart. Do not let the foot of the arrogant come near me, or the hand of the wicked drive me away. There, the evildoers have fallen. They have been thrown down. And cannot rise. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to see you on uh, this fifth Sunday. Uh, Welcome to just an extra joyful uh, service this morning, in many ways. Uh, For those of you who are new, my name is Chris, and I serve as the lead pastor here at First City. We are so glad that you're here. And and just as a way to sort of add welcome, uh, wherever you are in your faith journey, whether you're someone who is confident in your faith looking for a church home, whether you're someone who is maybe asking questions and you're a little bit unsure of exactly what you believe, or maybe you're here this morning and you don't profess faith, but you've decided to come. Maybe someone invited you, or I mean, if you're here by yourself, major props to you because you came not only to church, you came to a church in a school. And that can be a little bit weird sometimes. <laughs> But we are so glad you are are here, no matter where you are in your faith journey, and know that our heart for you is to experience the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Who we are as a church, like everything that we've built our life on, everything that we do as a church is meant to exalt Jesus. We truly believe Jesus came to this earth, died for our sins, was resurrected on the third day, ascended into heaven, and one day he's coming back. And there's grace and there's power and there's life in Christ, and we want you to know that So if there are ways that we can serve you, pray for you, meet practical needs, answer questions, welcome you further into the life of First City Church, we'd love to be able to do that. So please reach out, uh, either stop by the welcome table, jump on Church Center, grab me or Pastor Paul or Pastor Kyle after the service. We'd love to be able to, to welcome you and get to know you more. Well, if you haven't opened your Bibles yet, please do so to Psalm 36. And do you ever have those moments where you observe people's behavior and you ask the question, why? Like, like this right here. Like I see this and I ask the question, why? Why? Or, or how about this one? I, you remember when planking was like a thing? Like here's a guy decided it would be cool to plank a tiger. I really don't know why, but I, but I wonder, like why, why would you do something like that? Or, or, or this one. When I look at this, I actually ask the question, how, first of all, but then I'm also like, why? Why would you try to stick a giant tree in the back of your van? But there we are. So human behavior certainly can make us laugh. There are silly and strange and really idiotic things that we can do, and we find ourselves asking why, and and sometimes there really is no answer to those questions. But sometimes human behavior can be deadly serious. It's one thing to ask why someone does something strange like plank a tiger. It's another thing to ask the question, why do people lie and slander? Why do people deceive and manipulate? Why do people exploit and abuse and and even more extreme do things like kidnap and murder? Why, Why do people do such evil things? There is significant evil in our world. There, there, There is significant pain in our world. And we can find ourselves asking the question, why? Why do those things happen? Why is it that we are so prone as humans to bad behavior? Why is it that we're so eager to do it? Why is it that we're so good at it? Well, at the beginning of Psalm 36, David writes in verse 1, An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked person. So an oracle is a divine revelation. It is an insight, a truth that is spoken to the heart of a person that is then meant to be declared to others. And so David opens Psalm 36 by saying, Here, I am going to give you divine revelation concerning the transgression of the wicked. And if we kind of take a step back here for a second and consider the whole context of the book of Psalms, like each Psalm is its own sort of self-contained poem, yes. But do you know also that the Psalms aren't just sort of randomly assembled together? They have actually been put together in the order that they are in on purpose. So Psalm 36 actually sits within a section of the Psalms that is dealing with the themes of wickedness and fearing the Lord. And so if you kind of think about where we have been the past few weeks, what are some of the themes that we have seen? Fearing the Lord, joy in the Lord, crying out to the Lord, but but also, man, there's a lot of wickedness in the world. And as we saw last week, there's a lot of pain that can be inflicted on us. And so David goes from sort of crying out because of the sin to now reflecting on why is it there. And here's what David tells us in verse one, here's the core of the revelation David gives concerning the wicked. Dread of God has no effect on him. Like, why do people commit sin? Why is there wickedness in the world at the most fundamental level is, is this? The dread or the fear of God has no effect. So simply put, David is saying, why is there sin? Why is there wickedness? Because there's no fear of the Lord. If you remember. A couple weeks ago in Psalm 34, we talked about there's great blessing when someone fears the Lord. When we submit our lives to Him, when we obey the Lord, when we delight in the Lord, when we depend upon the Lord, there is rescue from evil. There is salvation. There's life. There's flourishing. There's wisdom that comes with that. Here in Psalm 36, we get the opposites. What happens when people don't fear the Lord? Wickedness, sin, transgression. And then to flip the coin over on the other side, David highlights in verse 2 this, for with flattering opinion of himself, he does not discover and hate his iniquity. So not only do the wicked not fear the Lord, they also have a flattering opinion of themselves. And and understand this, David isn't just sort of talking about garden variety cockiness where where someone thinks they're all of that and their sweat doesn't stink and their head's so big they can barely fit through the door. He's not talking about that. He is talking about fundamentally centering self, that, that self is the highest good in authority. Those who do not fear the Lord, they center self. And what ends up happening when they center self? They become blind. They become blind to their wickedness. They're unable to see their iniquity and they're unable to actually hate it. So, so is David talking about just somebody having blind spots? Like, hey, we're all, we all have blind spots about ourselves and we just need someone to sort of point those things out and we'll be okay. No, the blindness David is talking about here is a willful blindness. Not a blindness of ignorance, but a blindness It is chosen. The person doesn't see their iniquity because they don't want to. They don't hate their sin because they don't want to. And understand this, friends. When we don't fear the Lord and we center self, we absolutely have to walk in blindness because when we center self as the highest authority and good, if there's any acknowledgement of weakness or sin or failure, it just brings the whole thing come crashing down. And so for, in order for us to remain up here and centering self, we have to be blind to our sin. We have to be blind to our weaknesses. We have to be blind to the ways in which we do not fear the Lord. And so much evil comes from that. Why? Why is there evil? Because we do not fear the Lord and we center self. And David just sort of from there begins this sort of chain reaction of what happens when we don't fear the Lord and we center self, in verse three, he writes, "The word from his words from his mouth are malicious and deceptive." And so, not fearing the Lord and centering self affects how we use our mouths. If you remember back in the spring, we went through a series in the Book of James, and we got to James chapter three. What does James say our tongue can be like? A fire that sets ablaze people's lives. We can burn people down with our words. Our, our tongues can also be a world of evil full of deadly poison, cutting, condemning, cursing, hurting, harming. Like our tongues can be so malicious. And is this not the culture that we live in? Are we not awash with malicious words? Like, like do we not even celebrate and even platform angry words? And as long as the people I don't like are getting the business end of the malice, Let's just throw all the angry words we can. Come on, let's do it. Our world's also awash in deceptive words, right? Like, like we, we laugh about things like fake news, right? We, we laugh about that. But, but do we not assume that we're just being lied to? <laughs> like, do we not just assume that the media and our government are lying to us? Like, we, we just kind of have this posture of, like, we're getting lied to by somebody because our culture is just so full of deceptive words. But it's more than that. It's more than that how often in the sort of ordinary daily interactions that you and I have do we use speech deceptively? Like how often do we deceive in our speech in order to manipulate people? How often do we deceive people in our speech so that we can present ourselves better than we are so people see us in a particular light? We will use deceptive speech over and over and over to get what we want. And so listen, when we... Do not fear the Lord when we center self. We will use our words as as a tool to build our kingdoms. And we will use our words as a weapon to defeat anybody who would threaten our kingdoms. So the person who does not fear the Lord and center self, malicious and deceptive speech. But David goes on. As he continues in 3 and 4, he says this. He has stopped acting wisely and doing good. Even on his bed, he makes malicious plans. He sets himself on a path that is not good, and he does not reject evil. So not fearing God, the centering of self, what this does, the ultimate impact, the ultimate trajectory is a life that moves away from wisdom and goodness. If we live our lives in a place where we do not fear the Lord and we center ourselves, you will move further and further away from what is good and what is wise and more towards what is not good and what is unwise. The imagery David uses here of lying on your bed and walking a path. Like, how do you know you're consumed with something? Like, how do you know you are, like, all in with something? Well, one, you're committed to it during your waking hours, when you're, when you're awake, when you're living your life, but also when you think about it when you're going to bed, right? Like, like if you're thinking about something on your bed, that, that's a sign you're obsessed with it, right? <laughs> so the picture here, the imagery here, waking and sleeping, consumed with self, consumed with self, consumed with getting what I want with little to no regard of other people. Consumed with self and getting the pleasure that I want, no matter the cost to myself and how it might wreck me. Consumed with elevating my status and my standing and pushing over anybody who would stand in the way. Consumed with self, consumed with self, consumed with self. Why is there wickedness in the world? Because we're consumed with ourselves. And listen, living that way makes absolute sense when we don't fear the Lord. What does Proverbs nine ten tell us? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so if we don't fear the Lord, you better believe we're going to center ourselves. And if we center ourselves, you better believe wisdom is going to go out the window. Because if we do not fear the Lord, then we have no anchor to what is true and what is good. We have no lens by which to sort of Alter how we're, we're seeing ourselves and to, to shake us out of a self centered perspective. And so you better believe that if we do not fear the Lord and we center self, we are going to chase after all manner of foolishness. We are not going to be wise. And friends, what does that do? It damages us in our world. So much sin, so much wickedness, so much pain, so much damage comes because we do not fear the Lord and we center ourselves. And what Psalm 36 does and this, this sort of meditation that David has on the nature of wickedness is it takes us all the way back to the beginning of the problem. We read in Genesis 3 that Satan, the serpent, the enemy, comes to Adam and Eve to deceive them. And how does he deceive them? What does he say? He says, hey, eat of the fruit of the tree and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, now have you ever stopped and thought about this for a second? Did Adam and Eve not know what good and evil was? No, they absolutely knew what good and evil was. They knew good was to obey God and evil was to disobey God. So the temptation is not towards knowledge. The temptation is knowledge apart from God. You're going to be like God. You won't need God. You can determine. You can know good and evil yourself. You don't need the Lord. You see the connection to Psalm 36? Don't fear God, center self. And what happens? Adam and Eve listen to the enemy, listen to Satan. And they sin, they rebel against God, and they plunge the world into rebellion and sin and corruption. Though we were made to experience intimacy with God, closeness with God, to, to delight in the Lord and obey him and submit our lives and, and to experience his love and delight in us, though though that is how we were created, because of Adam's sin, we are born with hearts that are fundamentally bent away from the Lord. Like we're born with hearts that will not fear the Lord and will center self. Like our, to, to use sort of computer language, like our, our basic operating system has been corrupted. It's been corrupted by rebellion and selfishness and pride. And it's selfishness and pride, friends, listen, that we willingly embrace and willingly drink deeply from. We have a problem and we perpetuate our problem. So much sin, so much wickedness, so much pain, so much damage happens because we center self and do not fear God. Why is there so much conflict and anger and hatred in the world? Because we do not fear God and we send Herself. Why is there so much deception and slander in the world? Because we do not fear God and we send Herself. Why is there so much exploitation and abuse? Why, Why is there so much? Uh, that that, that we just sort of turn all of our attention to to hating other people and and getting more for ourselves? Why are we so consumed with our own pleasure? Why are we so consumed with with making much of ourselves and our standing and our status? Because we do not fear God and we center self. Friends, we need to be honest about the problem. David calls us to be honest about the problem, calls us to take a good, hard look at our own hearts. A good, hard, long look at the problem. And, and, and understand this. Listen, I want, I want to make a, a, an important caveat here. Yes, at times there are material conditions that cause us to sin. Like we're sinned against sinners and so sometimes we sin against others because we've been sinned against. We can hurt other people because we ourselves have been hurt. Like we can run to things like alcohol and drugs and sex and pornography and food we can develop addictions as a way to cope with the ways that we have been hurt sometimes we we have been formed in ignorance and foolishness and we didn't ask to be formed that way but it doesn't change the fundamental calculus like why do we sin against people when we've been sinned against why do we hurt others when we've been hurt Well, why do we continue in ignorance and foolishness even when people call us out in it? Because at fundamental level, we do not fear the Lord and we center self. And this goes for the big things and the little things. Like, listen, David isn't just talking about psychopaths and sociopaths who are on the hunt looking to hurt people. Like, he's not just talking about the extreme here. This also happens in the little, average, ordinary, mundane ways, at things in our lives. So this, this past week, uh, one evening, Mindy and I were putting some laundry away, and, and we have been busy, and so Mindy had kind of gotten behind in the laundry, and, and after she, she had done a bunch of laundry, folded it, and kind of put it on my chair, she was just like, hey, trying to get caught up, trying to get caught up, do working hard to get caught up, and I look at her and I go, yeah, but you didn't do all the laundry I needed. yeah. (laughs) Not my best moment as a husband. Why did I do that? Because I had centered self. Like those were malicious words. Yeah, not extremely malicious, but they were malicious. They were hurtful. Why did I do that? Because I centered self, because I put my wants and my desires and my perceived needs at the center, and when my wife did not submit to the kingdom of Chris, I sniped at her. Friends, why do we fight with our spouses? Because we do not fear God and we center self. Parents, why do you sin against your kids? Because you center self and do not fear the Lord. Kids, why do you sin against your parents and sin against your brothers and sisters? Because you sent yourself and do not fear God. Well, why is it that we can hide sin from one another and not be honest with each other? Because we do not fear the Lord and we sin herself. Why can we be self-righteous with one another? Because we do not fear the Lord and we sin herself. Why can we be stingy with our time and our resources and our money, not loving and serving and sacrificing for other people? Because we do not fear the Lord and we center self. Whether it be large sins or perceived, what we perceive as small sins, at the root, at the heart of it all, we do not fear God and we center self. And so let me ask you, what does that look like for you? Do you, are you walking in the fear of the Lord and not centering self? Now, if we're honest, we we, we all are guilty of this. And so there's no need to hide here. There's no need to pretend. There's no need to go, no, I'm fine. I'm good, I'm good. No, We, we all do this. So the question is, what does this look like for you right now? In your marriage, in what ways are you not fearing the Lord and you are you centering self? In your parenting, in your relationships with other people, in what ways your relationship with the world are you not fearing the Lord and centering self? So much sin, so much damage, so much pain comes when we do not fear the Lord and we center self. But as important as this truth is, this isn't where David leaves us. In fact, friends, I haven't even given us the main point of Psalm 36 yet. Because the point of Psalm 36 is not our wickedness. Believe it or not, David makes a hard shift in verses 5 and 6. He goes from an oracle about wickedness to saying this, Lord, your faithful love reaches to heaven, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your judgment's like the deepest seas. David goes from pondering the why of wickedness to celebrating God's faithfulness. Yes, there is great sin caused by, by there's great sin and pain caused by those who reject God and center self, but even greater than that sin is God's faithfulness. And so the imagery that that David uses here speaks of the scope and the power of God's faithfulness. Your faithful love reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds, to the highest points of creation. That's how far God's faithful love goes. The point here, there's not an one square inch of creation that God's faithfulness cannot reach. There's no way that, there's no spot in creation, there's no spot in existence where evil can box out God's faithful love. It reaches everywhere. Then David says, your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your judgments or justice like the deepest sea. Though there is great sin, evil, and wickedness, God's righteousness stands steady, fixed, and immovable. If you've ever been to the mountains, you know what that experience is like where you're just awestruck by the massive size and beauty and scope of mountains. Like we marvel at them but we also have to submit to their power. We, 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 we have to live in relation to the mountains. The mountains don't move for us, we move for them. And yes, we've been able to build roads through them, and we've kind of been able to tunnel through them at times, but we've never actually been able to move the mountains. We have to move around them. The same thing with the sea. Like there, there, We have dammed rivers and lakes. We have channeled rivers. Like, like, There's ways in which that we have been able to manipulate water at times, but what we've never controlled are the seas and the oceans. Like We can go over them. We can go through them. We can go under them, but we are at the mercy of their power. As we saw a few weeks ago, when people do not respect the power of the sea, bad things happen. Powerful. David draws on the imagery of mountains and a sea to show the strength and the power of God's righteousness and justice. Yes, there is evil, but evil is not the most powerful thing. Yes, there is sin and there is wickedness, but what stands immovable is God's justice and righteousness. Listen, there isn't a square inch that evil can hide from the righteousness and justice of God. It goes to the highest peak and the lowest depth. It will not hide, it will not defeat, God's justice, God's righteousness will find evil and it will defeat it. David looks at the faithfulness of God. He looks at the justice and the righteousness of God and he has hope. Like he just ponders, he just pondered the depth of human depravity. But then he turns and he looks at the faithfulness and the righteousness and justice of God and he celebrates, he sees how much greater... Because the righteousness, the justice, and the faithfulness of God are good news for us. As he writes in verses 7 and 9, how priceless your faithful love is. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They are filled from the abundance of your house. You let them drink from your refreshing stream. For the wellspring of life is with you. By means of your light, we see light. God's faithful love is priceless. It's like the greatest treasure. Why? Because God's faithful love, it's a refuge. It's a refuge for people. For those who are beat up and beat down by the sin of others and the wickedness of this world, God's faithful love is a refuge. He offers safety and protection and healing for you. You don't have to live at the mercy of being beat up and worn out by the sin and wickedness of this world. No, you can find peace and comfort and strength in the refuge of God's faithful love. For those weak and worn out, those of you who are, feel spiritually and emotionally just sort of dried up and used up, God gives you the abundance of his house. The the picture here is like a great household bringing out all their food resources and setting a wonderful feast in front of you so that you can celebrate and be nourished and refreshed. God nourishes you. He strengthens you with his abundance so that your soul can be filled up, so you can experience life. Like water on parched lips, God fills your thirsty soul, like God's abundant resources for you. And those of you that feel lied to and languishing and lost, and when you center self and don't fear God, if you're kind of at the end of your rope with that, God gives you wisdom. By his light, we see light. He gives you wisdom that leads you to life and flourishing. The faithfulness of God, the justice of God, the righteousness of God are good news for us, church, because they're an antidote to the mess we've made. They're an antidote to the brokenness and the the emptiness that we feel inside the ways that we have run away from the Lord, God's faithfulness comes after us and in that provides for us. David celebrates the faithfulness and the righteousness of God because God's faithfulness stands greater than our fallenness. And this really is the point of Psalm 36 is that God's faithfulness stands greater than our fallenness. When David ponders the wickedness and the damage that it does, he does not despair, friends. He does not despair. And so, do you ever get tired of it? Like, do you ever get tired of centering self? Like, do you ever get tired and overwhelmed by the damage your sin and the sin of others does? Did you ever come to this point where you're just like, I just wish I could just... Kind of crawl out of my skin because I'm just so tired of it. Do, do, do you ever just cry out to God, why God? Like, what is going on? Like, I I, I hate this. And, and listen, I don't mean you just hate the consequences, but you really hate the fact that there's sin that you're battling. Like at the core of your being, you don't want sin, you want something else. Friends if that's where you are, then Psalm 36 gives you so much hope because when we come to that place, when we come to be overwhelmed and fed up and tired of our sin and the sin of others, what is held out for us? The faithfulness of God, a faithfulness that stands greater than our fallenness, a faithfulness that you and I can experience, a faithfulness that can transform our lives. And listen, as much as David celebrated God's faithfulness, we have all the more reason to celebrate. As much as David had confidence in God's justice and righteousness, we have all the more reason to be confident. Because all that David experienced, as great as that was, was just a foretaste. It was a foreshadowing. It was a glimpse of an even greater faithfulness that God was going to display. An even greater display of righteousness and justice through the life and death and resurrection of Christ. Because friends, here's the good news. In Jesus, the mountain of God's righteousness reached its highest peak. In Jesus, the depth of God's judgment reached its furthest. Friends, the wisdom of God was displayed the most brightly and the most beautifully in Christ Like the fullness of God's faithfulness, the fullness of God's justice and righteousness are there in Jesus. Because here's what we we see on the cross of Christ, God's justice, God's righteousness, God's faithfulness being displayed and all working in lockstep with one another. Because on the cross, God's righteousness was fully displayed because God did not dismiss and did not just sort of ignore sin, but he dealt with it. He judged it. And then God's perfect justice was met because Christ paid our debt, perfectly paid for all of our sin. He took the wrath of God on himself for us. But then we also see the faithfulness of God because on the cross, Jesus accomplished the work of salvation that God had promised all along. Like listen, God the Father spared no expense. He gave us his son so that you and I could be forgiven and redeemed and set free. But there's more. There's more. In the resurrection of Christ, Jesus has defeated sin and evil and death. In raising God from the dead, here's what God declared through Christ. Righteousness will not be defeated. Righteousness will not be overcome. In fact, the righteous one, Jesus, reigns in power. The righteous one has a kingdom that will not be shaken. It will stand firm and fixed forever. And so in the in the resurrection of Christ, friends, we have ultimate hope in this truth that righteousness will stand, that justice will be the thing that, that lasts, that, that evil will be done away with, and that we can have hope for salvation. Because when Christ returns, Psalm 36:12 is going to be fulfilled. David says, There, the evildoers have fallen, they have been thrown down and cannot rise. Listen, friends, one day there's going to be no more malice, no more malicious speech, no more deceptive speech. Friends, one day there's going to be no more foolishness, no more centering self, no more damage, no more corruption, no more pain. But what is going to last is righteousness and goodness and justice and truth and wisdom. Those are going to last forever And so listen, if you are truly sick of centering self, if you are tired and worn out and overwhelmed by the damage that your sin does and the sin of others, if you are ready for something different, then let me tell you, run to Jesus for refuge. Because greater than our fallenness is God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness stands greater than our fallenness. And so when we run to Jesus, there is refuge and there's salvation. And and let me tell you, it does not matter where you've been. Like if you're here this morning and you're sitting, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I have done. Right, I don't. But God's faithfulness stands greater than your fallenness. There is not a sin that you can commit or have committed that the grace of God will not meet you and cannot meet you. There's not a sin that you have committed or will commit that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse and redeem you from. It does not matter where you have been, church. It does not matter what you have done or will do. God's faithfulness stands greater than our fallenness. So run to him. Run to him and find refuge. Run to him and find life. Listen, our salvation is not in our performance. It's not through jumping through hoops. It's not trying to get God to like us because we checked all these boxes. no. We simply come to him where we are because that's how God's grace meets us. It meets us right where we are, in the darkest pits. And he says, all you need to do is humble yourself. Turn from the sin, turn from centering self, turn to me, put your trust in my faithfulness and my provision, depend upon my son and what he has done to save you. And here's the good news, friends. Friends. When we run to Christ for refuge, when we run to Christ because we are tired of our sin, we experience forgiveness. We, we f- experience freedom. We experience new life. Because when we run to Jesus, we experience the abundance of God's house When we run to Jesus, Jesus himself, the very bread of life, nourishes our souls and strengthens us. Jesus Christ, who is the very wellspring of life, fills our thirsty souls with the Holy Spirit and we are refreshed and we can experience joy. We can experience peace. We can experience comfort. We can experience a life where we move away from sin and foolishness and we can experience wisdom and flourishing. Jesus Christ, the very light of the world, has given us his word And when we walk in the power of his word, what happens? We are transformed as people who walk in wisdom and righteousness. There's so much hope for us, church, when we run to the faithfulness of God because greater is God's faithfulness than our fallenness. And so let me encourage you, in light of God's faithfulness to us in Christ, let's turn from our sin. Let's turn from our centering of self. And let's fear God and put our full confidence in his faithfulness. Let us be people who cry out for his mercy and grace. Let us cry out as David did in verse 10. Spread your faithful love over those who know you and your righteousness over the upright in heart. Let let the cry of our heart, those of us who are just sick of our sin, be God, I want more of you. I want more of your faithfulness in my life. I want to experience your faithfulness. I want to experience your power and your provision in my life. I want to live by your strength, your joy, your wisdom, your truth. Well, let the cry of our heart be that the faithfulness of God be the thing that defines our lives and the lives of this church. And from that church, let us be those who go and take the gospel of Jesus into this world. Like the grace that we've experienced, the faithfulness that we've experienced, the transformation that we've experienced, let's take that into the world so that others would experience it too. This isn't just something that we keep hidden for ourselves or right here at First City. No, we want everyone to experience it. And so let us go into the world and proclaim that greater than our fallenness is God's faithfulness. Let us go into the world and put on display the power of the gospel in our lives as we are those who are honest about sin and honest about our weakness and declare, hey, I need Jesus too. There's no self-righteousness here. We We completely depend upon the faithfulness of God. And so let us be those who give ourselves and commit ourselves to the love and righteousness and justice of God and be those who proclaim it. And let me just close with this because we we need to be honest. Like, listen, yes, it's gonna be hard. David saw the faithfulness of God. David celebrated the faithfulness of God that didn't take away all of that sin in the moment. Jesus has not come back yet, but he's coming back. He's coming back. But friends, even in the midst of the sin, even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of the difficulty that we face now, this truth still stands. God's faithfulness stands greater than our fallenness. And so even in the midst of the hardship and the pain and the struggles, God's power is at work in our lives. So let us continue to run to that faithfulness, depend upon his righteousness, his justice, and be strengthened as people who know and live in the goodness of God's faithfulness. Amen? Let's pray.